Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Patiently for relief, which would surely come. This message gave a special pleasure from its being couched in the first person, when, as was universally remarked, the task of sending such congratulations might so easily have been relegated to one of Her Majesty's ministers. I really think that no one except a shipwrecked mariner cast away on a desert island, and suddenly perceiving a friendly sail, could have followed our feelings of delight on that occasion. We walked about thinking we must be dreaming, and finding it difficult to believe that we were in such close contact with home and friends. In less than ten minutes posters were out, and eager groups were busy at the street corners discussing the news, scrappy indeed, and terribly deficient in all details, but how welcome after all the vague native rumours we had had to distract us during the past weeks. We were content then to wait any length of time, and our lives varied very little as the weeks slipped by. The bombardment was resumed with vigour, and the old monster gun cruised right round the town and boomed destruction at us from no less than five different points of vantage. When the shelling was very heavy, we used to say to ourselves, What a good thing they are using up their ammunition! When again for a few days it was slack, we were convinced our foes had had bad news. What matter if our next information was that the Boers had been seen throwing up their hats and giving vent to other visible expressions of delight. We had passed a few peaceful hours. Many casualties continued to take place. Some were fatal and tragic, but many and providential were the escapes recorded. Among the former, one poor man was blown to bits while sitting eating his breakfast. But the same day, when a shell landed in or near a house adjacent to my bomb-proof, it merely took a cage containing a canary with it through the window, while another fragment went into a dwelling across the street, and made mincemeat of a sewing-machine, and a new dress on which a young lady had been busily engaged. She had risen from her pleasant occupation but three minutes before. The coolness of the inhabitants of both sexes was a source of constant surprise and admiration to me, and women must always be proud to think that the wives and daughters of the garrison were just as conspicuous by their pluck as the defenders themselves. Often of a hot afternoon, when I was sitting in my bomb-proof, from inclination as well as from prudence, for it was a far cooler resort than the stuffy iron-roofed houses, while women and children were walking about quite unconcernedly outside, 
I used to hear the warning bell ring, followed by so much scuffling, screaming, and giggling, in which were mingled jokes and loud laughter from the men, that it made me smile as I listened. Then, after the explosion, they would emerge from any improvised shelter and go gaily on their way, and the clang of the blacksmith's anvil close at hand would be resumed almost before the noise had ceased and the dust had subsided. One day a lady was wheeling her two babies in a mail cart up and down the wide road, while the Boers were busy shelling a distant part of the defences. The children clapped their hands when they heard the peculiar siren and whistle of the quick-firing Krupp shells, followed by dull thuds as they buried themselves in the ground. On my suggesting to her that it was not a very favourable time to air the children, she agreed, and said that her husband had just told her to go home, which she proceeded leisurely to do. Another morning the cattle near the convent were being energetically shelled, and later I happened to see the mother superior, and commiserated with her in having been in such a hot corner. "'Ah, sure,' said the plucky Irish lady, "'the shells were dropping all round here, but they were only nine-pounders, and we don't take any notice of them at all.' No words can describe the cheerful, patient behaviour of those devoted sisters through the siege. They bore uncomplainingly all the hardships and discomforts of a flooded, bomb-proof shelter, finally returning to their ruined home with any temporary makeshifts to keep out the rain. And whereas, from overwork and depression of spirits, some folks were at times a little difficult to please, not a word of complaint during all those months ever came from the ladies of the convent. They certainly gave an example of practical religion, pluck, charity, and devotion. And so the moons waxed and waned, and Mafeking patiently waited, and luckily had every confidence in the resource and ability of Colonel Baden-Powell. An old cannon had been discovered, half buried in the native stut, which was polished up and named the Lord Nelson, from the fact of its antiquity. For this gun, solid cannonballs were manufactured, and finally fired off at the nearest Boer trenches and the first of these to go bounding along the ground certainly surprised and startled our foes, which was proved by their quickly moving a part of their lager. In addition, a rough gun, called the Wolf, was actually constructed in Mafeking, which fired an eighteen-pound shell four thousand yards. To this feat our men were incited by hearing of the magnificent weapon, which had been cast by the talented workmen of Kimberley in the De Beers workshops. In spite of there being nothing but the roughest materials to work with, shells were also made, and some Boer projectiles which arrived in the town without exploding were collected, melted down, and hurled once more at our enemy. Truly there is no such schoolmaster as necessity. On Sundays we continued to put away from us the cares and worries of the week, and the church services of the various denominations were crowded, after an hour devoted to very necessary shopping. During the whole siege, the Sunday afternoon sports on the parade ground were a most popular institution. When it was wet, amusing concerts were given instead at the Masonic Hall. On these occasions, Colonel Baden-Powell was the leading spirit, as well as one of the principal artistes, anon appearing in an impromptu sketch as Signor Paderewski, or again as a coster, 
and holding the hall entranced or convulsed with laughter. He was able to assume very various roles with fregoli-like rapidity, for one evening, soon after the audience had dispersed, suddenly there was an alarm of a night attack. Firing commenced all round the town, which was a most unusual occurrence for a Sunday night. In an instant, the man who had been masquerading as a buffoon was again the commanding officer, stern and alert. The tramp of many feet was heard in the streets, which proved to be the reserve squadron of the Protectorate Regiment, summoned in haste to headquarters. A maxim arrived, as by magic, from somewhere else. The town guard were ordered to their places, and an ADC was sent to the hall, where a little dance for the poor overworked hospital nurses was in full swing, abruptly to break up this pleasant gathering. It only remained for our defenders to wish the Boers would come on, instead of which the attack ended in smoke after two hours' furious volleying, and by midnight all was quiet again. During the latter part of this tedious time, Colonel Plumer and his gallant men were about thirty miles away, having encompassed a vast stretch of dreary desert from distant Bulawayo. This force had been under the stars since the previous August, and had braved hardships of heat, fever districts, and flooded rivers, added to many a brush with the enemy. These trusty friends were only too anxious to come to our assistance, but a river rolled between, a river composed of deep fortified trenches, of modern artillery, and of first-rate marksmen with many mausers. One day Colonel Plumer sent in an intrepid scout to consult with Colonel Baden-Powell. This gentleman had a supreme contempt for bullets, and certainly did not know the meaning of the word fear, but the bursting shells produced a disagreeable impression on him. "'Does it always go on like that?' he asked, when he heard the vicious hammer of the enemy's maxim. "'Yes,' somebody gloomily answered. "'It always goes on like that, till at length we pretend to like it, and that we should feel dull if it were silent.' Although the soldiers in Mafeking were disposed to grumble at the small part they seemed to be playing in the great tussle in which England was engaged, the authorities were satisfied that for so small a town to have kept occupied during the first critical month of the war ten thousand, and at later stages never less than two thousand, Boers, was in itself no small achievement. We women always had lots to do. When the hospital work was slack, there were many Union Jacks to be made, a most intricate and tiresome occupation, and these were distributed amongst the various forts. We even had a competition in trimming hats, and a prize was given to the best specimen as selected by a competent committee. In the evenings we never failed to receive the Mafeking evening paper, and were able to puzzle our heads over its excellent acrostics, besides frequently indulging in a pleasant game of cards. In the meantime, food was certainly becoming very short, and on April 3 I cabled to my sister in London as follows. Breakfast today, horse sausages. Lunch, minced mule, curried locusts. All well. Occasionally I used to be allowed a tiny white roll for breakfast, but it had to last for dinner too. Mr. Wheel bought the last remaining turkey for five pounds, with the intention of giving a feast on Her Majesty's birthday, and the precious bird had to be kept under a chub's lock and key till it was killed. 
no dogs or cats were safe, as the Basutus stole them all for food. But all the while we were well aware our situation might have been far worse. The rains were over, the climate was glorious, fever was fast diminishing, and, in spite of experiencing extreme boredom, we knew that the end of the long lane was surely coming. End of chapter 12